vibration is a is a medium by which a lot of communication occurs in the animal kingdom. The week before the earthquake in Aceh, all of the hoofed animals moved up into the hills. They could feel the vibration coming. Now we know that elephants can actually sense vibration over hundreds of kilometres and they can detect who sent it and, and what it's about. You know, I, I deliberately got an old diesel in order to get this effect because the new ones are just too, too sweet and smooth. When you let one of these old diesels idle, for example, on sand, on a hot day, spiders that normally will not move in the daylight are running towards the car. And I think what they're doing is they're running towards the zero point when, between the four wheels. That should be the zero point. But they are highly disturbed. So that you can get huntsmen standing there on the edge of a branch trying to get calm but just biting the air. It's just so crazy behaviour. You've never seen it before. And we get higher species numbers by that method alone than we do by any other single method of collecting. By eye, by trap, by spraying anything. This is the best way because you get things coming out from, from holes in the ground, you get them coming out from under bark of the tree, coming down the tree. And some of the orb weavers, these poor, beautiful, delicate looking whip spiders that are 90% abdomen and tiny little head and long, delicate legs. Here's one of these things dragging itself across the ground. They're supposed to walk on threads of silk. It was like Queen Street Mall. These things were just thundering past me. These giant spiders walking across the ground towards the car. It was just amazing, sort of an event. Beautiful, timid, silky, and martyrs for their children, and so aggravated by diesel four-wheel drives that they will be driven to madness. Hello, Anne Jones with you on Off Track, and today, the surprisingly relatable and interesting world of Australia's spiders. Dr Robert Raven is from the Museum of Queensland and he estimates that there's probably five to six hundred species of spider just in the greater Brisbane area. There are spiders which look like ants, others that look like scorpions and there are diggers and swimmers and spiders which regrow their retinas every day. There are spiders which build elaborate webs that look like big tops from a circus but webs aren't the only way that spiders catch prey. In fact, some spiders are stalking hunters of their prey, like a jaguar might, but with more legs. Dr Robert Raven is from the Museum of Queensland. Many of the ones that we run across are the ones that are actually going out and hunting. You know, these are, they're, they're, they're just vagrantly running across the ground looking for what incidental prey. And jumping spiders are one of the better ones, and they've got good sight. And, you know, there are some jumping spiders in northern Australia where the spider 
actually goes and stalks other spiders on their webs which is the best kind of ability you know they just get onto the web and they sit there and they they just move like a piece of fluff in the wind just a little nudge nudge back and forward nudge back and forward and finally the spider comes in range and she's got enough advance on it and the next minute this lightning rocket strike goes out and she's got this giant spider and often the discrepancy in size is spectacular and it's very exciting because I mean you know for example the, the tarantulas that we've seen in North Queensland a toad got in front of the burrow next minute the toad's just being pulled down like some you know chasm of death into this burrow with the tarantula and for weight for weight the toad wins but for, for strength of venom this, the tarantula's bringing it down and, and it didn't come out again so I'm pretty sure it worked but a lot of these guys are just often sit and wait predators as they call them yeah. They bury themselves in the ground and something that actually walks over the top of them and they'll reach up and grab it. You know, <laughs> One of the things that we've watched is taking a vibrating fork and putting it in the ground in front of a trapdoor spider and all of a sudden it comes rushing out because it thinks there's a beetle out there. So, But then if you take, for example, uh, we often use electric toothbrushes to bring these things out. And you can't use an electric toothbrush with some of the spiders, for example, some of the funnel webs, because the vibration is too big and hard. And the funnel webs used to a tiny little millipede going ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a little walking along, touching this tiny little finding trembling. So as soon as it sees, feels something big and thumping going along, it's not outside of my range, sort of thing. So that they have different mechanisms for recognising the zone of which they're going to detect things. Oh, fantastic. Of course, there are others who create large webs that you can see with your eyes or feel with your face as you walk through them. Yeah, well, those are the ones that are just doing whatever comes best, and they're actually building in wind corridors. So often I find with those guys, if you knock them down a couple of times, they'll rebuild somewhere else. But there's a few spiders that are related to the orb weavers that are orb weavers, but they've actually gone down to making a little thread and a drop of silk on the end of it, and they spin them in the air, and that silk mimics the smell of a female moth. So a male moth will come in, and they'll... they'll come after the smell and they'll use it like a bolus and whack the, the male moth and haul it in. And, and in one case, a famous photographer Denzi Klein was filming these things near a highway and the, and the reverse of a truck slowing down made the spider feel the vibration and it thought it was the moth pulsing through the air and started spinning, spin, 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 faster and faster and then whack. The curious thing about the lady that spins the bolus is that that's all right when she's big, but when she's a little baby she also spins the bolus and she sure as hell can't catch that big moth, can she? She's way out, so that what actually happens is that the smell, the silk chemical evolves as the spider grows, so smaller, bigger, 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 bigger happen as the spider grows, so it's just amazing, you know, the depth of the evolution of these things is fantastic. And other ones, like for example these beautiful net casting spiders, hold a rectangular blue net in the air at night. And because they operate in so low light, they've discovered that they actually regenerate their retina every day. So they're rebuilding their retina every day. It's something that we'd like to know how to do. So these guys are actually hunting in deep darkness and they just, as soon as they get an insect coming in the range, they just throw this rectangular piece of web. Staff at the museum have arranged for some spiders to be released onto a high balcony to build their webs. 
and one of the research assistants at the museum, Tamara Anderson, has been charged with looking after them. I just released them on a spot that I thought was suitable and then overnight they just built their own web or they moved to a separate tree or moved, you know, two metres that way or this way and just wherever they wanted to go and built their web and um, every day or every second day I would come out and with a cricket leg and, and um, sort of uh, prise off the exoskeleton a bit to expose the muscle, dunk it in lemonade and then I just hand it to their mouths with uh, forceps. When you've got a cricket leg in between sort of little pincers, little forceps, yes. you put it near their mouth, do they grasp on? What happens? Well, depending on how hungry they are. But like, it's more effective if, I, if I've put lemonade onto it because then with the, the, you know, the palps, these little wee arms at their mouths, um, they act as like sensory arms sort of. Uh, reach out her palps and sort of touch what I'm going to trying to give to her because her palps are in the road of her mouth and then she'll go oh that's wet oh great and then sort of like bring it towards her mouth and then and drink the lemonade and then I have to you know keep holding it towards her mouth and then after about 30 seconds she'll go okay and then she'll bite into it because she realizes it's food and so other times I'm just sort of going come on <laughs> eat it you know um, it's pretty amazing to watch so and you can see their fangs sort of like grab into the cricket's leg and it's pretty cool. So the, you just moved your fingers in a fang shape and you actually moved them independently. Is that what happens or do they move yep. to, They move independently? They can, yep, 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 yep. Wow. When they're like going to bite something, if it's like a prey item or, or some, like a human or something that's threatening them, then they'll just sort of go together it's like one action to just because you know why would you go and then uh, with your other one and just sort of you know hokey pokey with your fangs they have on their um calissary which is the part that where the fang comes out of they have these little tiny teeth so they sort of munch up their food it's sort of like grind it almost yeah yeah, yeah it's like that and so you can actually see them like um, one cholesterol moves to sort of munch that side and the other one moves and they sort of munch it and that just gets their um, digestive enzymes sort of more into the, the flesh and just sort of mush it all up because it takes longer to just, if you just bit it and then just let it all just soak in so you might as well just mush it all up and get it in and Obviously our digestive juices are mostly internal but sometimes they sort of, they put it out Yes, with like, if I was to give her like a live um, cricket or whatever she would envenomate it and that would paralyse it and then after that she would just start vomiting up her enzymes and she would just go like vomit and then just slurp it back in and then vomit and slurp it back in until the whole thing is eaten. Spiders have two parts. They've got the kesothorax which houses the brain and the stomach and then you've got the abdomen. Their brain is like donut shaped around their stomach. Oh, that's really cool. And so they sort of but they have like this tube that comes from their stomach and they sort of just sort of push it all out a bit. So this tube sort of comes out of like a hole in their heads and that's sort of like the mouth and that's where all the, the enzymes come out and that's where they slurp it back in and the stomach has like some it's like a like a suction pump just it goes like bleh, and then back in evolution's amazing isn't it because when you think of all of the different ways we have of sort of consuming 
energy or mm. sucking energy from the, the earth, you know, in different ways. Yeah. That's a pretty spectacular way to paralyze something and then slobber it to death. Sort of. Yeah, and just sort of slurp it up. Yeah, Why lemonade? It's just like an energy boost, really. Like, I don't really need it, um, but I'm a nice person, I guess. So I just, and it's sweet. So, you know, they, they love the stuff. All spiders love it. And, and when did you come up with the lemonade? Oh, that was when I was at the um, Steve and Wildlife Reserve and I had collected a salticid and he, he wasn't doing very well. So maybe he hadn't eaten when I had caught him or, you know, he just, just looked like he was on his last leg and I thought, Oh no, I have I don't have any food for him. And then I just thought, lemonade. Because I was going back to Brisbane in I think a day or two. And so I could get food then, but just for the meantime he needed something. So just I opened a can of lemonade and got my forceps and got a drop and put it in his tube and he just drank it up and he loved it. And it, it, and he was alive. So he survived, you know? So it was just like a um temporary thing. You know, they can't survive on lemonade but you know, that was just, they have a sense of taste. So they just love it. And after he drank, he was zipping around in his jar again. And the, the golden orb weavers, they're just taking like four or five drops of this stuff, they're just guzzling it down. You can actually see it just sort of disappear inside of them. It's really cool. Why did you choose to feed them like that? Well, at first, with our first female that stuck around, I tried to give her a live cricket by holding its back legs and placing it up against her web, and it would struggle, and she would come across and um, wrap it up and eat it, but that was in a perfect world. She only did that once. The other times, I'd put it up against her web, and she'd just freak out and run away because the Nephilis, they are just so timid and just so gentle. So every time, she'd just panic and freak out and run to the corner of her web, and then sometimes that would cause her to move overnight to a new location because she's probably thinking, oh no, I'm being attacked, I better move. Um, so just by handing her a cricket legs muscle, it just made it so much easier. Just give it to her, she doesn't freak out. It's all good and she gets fed. Tamara Anderson. On Off Track, I'm Ann Jones. It's sort of funny to think that spiders could be scared or timid because I think that as humans we're often overwhelmed by our own feelings and fears of the spiders and, and we can't stop to consider what they might be reacting to. But really, even for Australia's biggest spiders, like tarantulas, and yes, there are tarantulas in Australia, almost everything in the environment is a risk and it could eat you. Not least of all, your own family. Primary food of spiders is often spiders, but you know, a lot of the roaming spiders, you'll see the mother with the baby in her jaws. You know, it's 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 quite demonic this whole process. But they are their own worst enemies. Um, they they were there to feed themselves, sort of thing. Dr. Robert Raven, and speaking of babies, spiders have a really remarkable life cycle. We've got quite a few females around at the moment. That takes a while to for these things to get to adulthood. For a tarantula or a trapdoor spider, funnel webs, five to seven years to become adult. Most of these kids that are around here, the ones that we see commonly, are all, it's all happening in a matter of months. They feed up, they become adult, and they change from a very pale looking thing to their dark colours and take on their full beauty and so on. 
And then, as soon as a male becomes adult, he makes a sperm web, a tiny little web underneath his body, puts a drop of sperm in it, and then the very front short pairs of legs are actually highly modified claws in the male, and the, he dabs those, those tube-like things into this sperm, picks it up, he's ready. He's charged and he goes off looking for females. They're blowing around on the wind, they're walking along the ground. And sometimes curious scientists might even deliver them to the female. Tamara Anderson is with me on the museum's terrace, standing next to the web of an amazing dome spider female that she's been looking after. Oh, well, I was on level five out where we can have your lunch and all that, and there's some greenery to sit and relax. And I was just snooping around the bushes, as you do, you know, <laughs> for spiders. And then I found this wee male, and I didn't know what his species was or anything, so I called him and showed him to Robert Raven, and he said... He's a male of the Sotophora. <laughs> you can go release him on her web if you want, so okay. <laughs> so I came down here and released him, and as soon as he was on the web, he knew where he was and what he had to do. In he went towards her, and, and I got to watch the mating ritual, which was really cool. He would create one anchor point, and then he'd walk along her web for about five centimetres, and then create another anchor point so he had this just a single strand attached to her web and then he'd walk about one centimeter back along that strand and with his third pair of legs he would start just sort of plucking that strand yeah just like a one-stranded guitar player and then about two seconds later she felt that vibration she turned around towards where he was walked over to the other end of the strand and then grabbed hold of that strand and then pulled it towards her epigyne, which is, um, you know, her lady genitals. And then he plucked for about two seconds more and then he ran like lightning across that web. And he was stretching out his palps as far as he could stretch them. And he's a little wee thing. He was like four millimetres, you know, from eye to end of his abdomen and he's just stretching for his life to get towards her genitalia but then after two seconds he just fell off and just dangled and I was like oh no <laughs> so wait did he make contact with his pelts eventually after like 20 goes really it took them quite a few yeah well it seemed to be like a combination of factors it looked like she wasn't pulling it close enough towards her genitalia maybe he just got a little bit like frightened after two seconds because some spiders or females will eat the male after mating um, so he's probably going oh oh no um, this is everything I've lived for and my life is going to end yeah that's basically what the males are for so he just did that 20 more times make the strand pluck and every time she responded and grabbed hold of the strand and pulled it towards the genitalia and every time he ran across and was just like oh, it was like a millimeter off no every time but then eventually it, he got it and it was just like, I got to see it and it was like two magnets just connecting. It was just so freaky. And then two seconds after that, she used her palps, was trying to grab at his body and just ended up dragging him away from her genitalia and then bit him and then wrapped him up in silk. And then as she was just sort of manoeuvring it with her pouch just to get like a better angle to bite again, she dropped him. 
Yeah, so that was a bit of a shame that she didn't, you know, because the females only eat the male because he's just a food source for her eggs. It's not because, oh, you, were, you weren't very good or, um, you know, I don't like you or that sort of thing. It's just, he's just a good food source. For some species, the mating position that the males assume, he lands right on her mouth. So they know what's going to happen, you know, and there's just, that's just how it is for, you know, for your species to continue. You know, you got to, you know, you got to give all to the young that you can. Um, yeah, so there was a shame on one level that she didn't get to eat him because good, you know, source of protein and vitamins and all that. But I was also a bit like, no, why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, because, but anyway, but as you can see, he succeeded and she's got an egg sac. And the egg sac of the dome spider is impervious to water and it's hanging in her incredible 3D web that's shaped like the dome of science in Canberra. And unless it gets parasitised or just outright ripped apart, there should be little baby spiders that come out and they'll go through two molts before they hit adulthood and start hunting prey and hunting for a mate. And maybe, just maybe, one of those baby spiders might get to fly. No, not that sort of fly. It's actually called ballooning. Ballooning is one of the most craziest things. And, you know, there are certain times of the year where helicopter pilots are really freaked out by it because there's a mass ballooning happening, usually about May, and there's just thousands of baby spiders. What happens is that at a certain time, time of the day and it's usually near dusk and these spiders are they as I said they pull the silk out of their their abdomen and when it comes out it's a liquid so tension makes it a thread an incredibly light thread and it pulls it out and out and out until finally there's enough thread out for this silk to lift the spider now the crazy thing that happens usually in floods and this kind of thing is that lots of spiders get flooded off the ground and go up onto branches and things like that and then they try and get out of there. And the tricky thing about making a ballooning system work is updrafts, warm air going up. And what happens with a lot of these things is that the spiders pay the silk out and the air gets heavy and falls down. Pays out, gets heavy and falls down. And the net result are what we saw called gossamer fields. It looks like the entire countryside is covered in, in silk. So these threads can take them right up into the stratosphere up with the plains and they can cross oceans. Now when Charles Darwin was on the Beagle and he was 2,000 miles from the nearest land, the only mention that he ever made about spiders in any of his books was that the entire rigging of the ship was covered in spider webs. So these things had been drifting through the air, saw something down low and just started to, to, to haul, the, they pulled the silk in so they have less line, it's like, you know, letting the air out of the balloon and slowly they go down and they all came down and covered this ship's rigging with, with web. It's a very freaky event. They get around the country like that. The huntsman, when his mum is just telling the kids, get out of here, they're jumping into the air with their thread of silk and they're just being blown through the air to another place. And... If a ballooning or walking or swimming or diving spider comes into your place, what should you do? They're not things that you should treat with hostility because as soon as you go onto the attack, 
you cease to be defensive and you'll get bitten. And like, okay, there was a man who, who took a thong to a huntsman at eye level and the abdomen exploded into his eye, he was blind for two days. So, you know, this kind of thing is what we hear all the time, you know. So take a big jar or a plate, put it around it, then and put a card underneath it, you know, get it, calm it down, take it outside, probably take it outside during the day. It's a difficult situation. I mean, natively, I have a fear of spiders, and, and I discovered that at the end of the night, after one very long night in the field, uh, with spider webs going all over me and, and everything, I, I climbed into a tent and put my head back on the pillow, and there was a huntsman, bigger than my face, within a centre of a metre of my two of my face. And I then remembered that I did have a fear of spiders and bolted out of the tent. Thankfully, nobody was around to see me in any of my embarrassment. Thank you to Robert Raven and Tamara Anderson and the Golden Orbs and Dome Spiders of the Queensland Museum. You can see images and videos of the wonderful webs and surprisingly pretty spiders on the Off-Track website, abc.net.au slash off-track. Music today by Gambusia. I'm Ann Jones, and remember to meet me here at the same time next time. That's when I'll pull up in the off-track bus and we'll take you somewhere else.